As many of you uh, may know, uh, earlier this year, back in May, I actually hiked to the base camp of Mount Everest. It was a big journey I went on. Um, I think I've maybe mentioned it once or twice. Maybe you've, you've heard me talk about that. Um, as soon as I discovered that I was going to be a part of this, um, uh, this intensive um, trek, I decided, you know, I'd better make sure that I'm ready to do this. I'd better make sure uh, I get in shape. So I joined a CrossFit gym. Again, I think I may have mentioned that just once or twice, but uh, I joined the CrossFit gym that meets down the other end of our building, CrossFit 1825. And we'll go, I go several times a week to this gym, and uh, each time I go, they have different kind of workouts you have to do, and, and it's great, and it helps me, and really, by being a part of this gym, it really did help me lose some of the weight and build up some muscle to help me hike all those miles up those mountain trails. But one of the drawbacks about this particular gym is that our coach, not only does she challenge them what to do, she goes around with her phone and she takes pictures throughout the morning. And then when I get home later that morning, they show up on the CrossFit Instagram story. So there I am. So I'm always thinking, oh, what sort of pictures is she taking? But every now and again, there's a picture that I'm like, okay, yeah, this is good. This is showing that what I'm doing is working. Here's one of the pictures I found that she took. And uh, yeah, 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 that was all over social media. So um, as you can see, I mean, obviously, it's paying off belongs to this gym because I'm clearly lifting some incredibly heavy weights here uh, by the look on my face and the amount of strain that's going into this shot. Unfortunately, when you zoom out, you discover that I am, in fact, just... <laughs> jumping rope, <laughs> and it takes that much effort and energy for me to be able to jump rope. Let's lose the picture quick. Uh, let's get that over there. But uh, <laughs> No, seriously, let's lose the picture right now. Go, go, go. In reality, there are some people who belong to uh, CrossFit who are much stronger than I am and do lift incredibly heavy weights and uh, get a lot out of it. And I think, let's be honest, who wouldn't want to be a little bit stronger? So with that in mind, it may come as a surprise to some of you here this morning that we're going to hear a statement from Jesus that appears to celebrate the week. This statement that Jesus made, it, it kind of comes across as, as lifting up and celebrating weak people. Because Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Now, I'd be really surprised if CrossFit or any gym, for that matter, would include meekness in their marketing material. Join this gym, we'll make you meek. <laughs> Just doesn't really line up, does it, with the, the kind of the look you're going for in an exercise place. Over these last few weeks this summer, we've been in a series called Upside Down. And Upside Down has been looking at this, this very unique time in the life of Jesus where he gathered on a hillside in northern Israel and crowds were gathered around to listen to him teach. And thanks to the account of Jesus' life in Matthew, one of the writers of uh, the life of Jesus, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, talk about this, this sermon that Jesus taught. So it was called the Sermon on the Mount. And it was full of this incredible teaching and ultimately uh, this idea of Jesus telling us about the kingdom of God, this coming kingdom that he was going to establish, what it would look like to be a part of the kingdom of God. And before he even really gets into the meat of the message, he starts out with this introduction describing what people who will be at home in this kingdom will look like. 
He shares these eight simple phrases that today we now refer to as the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes, there were these eight phrases that Jesus shared. And and these Beatitudes, it becomes very clear from the very first one that Jesus is about to turn everything upside down. That everything people had come to understand up to this point is about to reverse and change. He's about to turn it all upside down. Because listen to some of the things Jesus said. We've talked about this over the last couple of weeks. Uh, The first week, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Last week, we looked at this phrase, blessed are those who mourn. And we learn that these phrases kind of build upon each other, that they're not standalone statements, that Jesus is kind of taking us on a journey of what it looks like to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. If you weren't here for the last couple of weeks, you can watch online, you can listen to the podcast if you want to catch up on on what Jesus meant when he was talking about the poor in spirit and those who mourn, because there's a lot more to it than just on the surface. But this week, we're going to look at this third beatitude where Jesus explains that people who are blessed or people who are happy are the ones who are meek. That's where we're going this morning. Now, what you need to understand, here's the thing with the Beatitudes. There are eight separate phrases that Jesus shares. Now, we don't get to look at those eight phrases like a buffet, like, okay, poor in spirit, I'll I'll have some of that, comforted when I'm mourning, yeah, I like that, meek, no, I'll skip that one, Uh, you know, move on to the next one. No, these are, there's a succession going on that all of these are attributes that if we, uh, as followers of Jesus, aspire to be like him, he's taken us on this journey of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And I think some of us would like to skip over meek. Meek kind of gets a bad rap, doesn't it? Because I don't know about you, but when I think about who's going to inherit the earth, I don't think of the meek. I mean, let's be honest, I think we all know who's going to get the earth. It's the successful, the strong, the brutal, the bullies, those who climb and claw their way to the top those who sell the most books, those with the most Facebook friends, those with the most Apple products. I've got five. Those with frequent flyer status that says executive platinum. Those are the kind of people who we think should inherit the earth. They are the movers and the shakers. Because we also have an understanding, don't we, really, about what it means to be meek. We think of the meek as the humble, the wallflowers, those who don't correct you when you say their name wrong, those who don't fight for their place in line when someone pushes in front, those who just eat what's brought to the table instead of trying to explain that the order was wrong, those who stand by and watch others get ahead, those who get walked on, the doormats. That's who we think of, isn't it, when we think of people who are meek, the little people. And let's be honest, the little people don't inherit the earth, the big, aggressive ones do. So what Jesus is saying here seems very upside down to what we would understand of life and society. Now, to some extent, many of the people in the crowds that day when Jesus was speaking were probably excited to hear him say this. They would have related to those definitions. These were people who were living under Roman control. There would have been some Roman soldiers and leaders in the crowd, but most of the people would have thought, yes, that's us. We don't have the power that the Romans do. 
There would be some who would look at the religious leaders who lauded themselves with pride over everyone else and, and they would have said, yes, we're the meek ones. We're not like those religious leaders who seem to have everything together. So they would have liked hearing Jesus say, blessed are the meek, because they would have related to that statement. So while they would have been encouraged by these words, I think what we need to understand here this morning is what Jesus wasn't saying. We need to look here at the definition of meek and understand what Jesus wasn't saying. You see, meekness isn't weakness. Meekness isn't weakness. Do you like that? It rhymes. I'm a poet and I didn't know it. <laughs> yeah, move on. Um, Meekness isn't weakness, and it's really important to understand this this morning. Yes, meekness can refer to a, a gentleness and a humility, but I personally think from studying this phrase that Jesus said, that the best definition of what meekness truly is in the context of what Jesus was saying here is power under control. Meekness is actually power under control. So what do I mean by that? Well, here's a great story to illustrate what power under control can look like. A story is told of um, a situation that took place back in the 1930s. An African-American man got onto a bus and he made his way to the back because at this time that was the only place he could sit. And when he went to the back of this bus to sit down, he passed three white guys. And as he sat down, the, the white guys kind of turned around and just started to mock him ridicule him, say cruel and, and racial slurs. And this actually continued on for the entire journey. They just wouldn't leave him alone. They just kept going on and going on, but he just sat there quietly. Finally, the bus arrived at his stop and he got up to get off. And as he approached these three guys, they were ready in case anything was gonna happen. And he got to them after having listened to their, their slurs the entire journey. And as he goes to get off the bus, he pulls out a business card. And the story goes that he hands the business card to them and that he stepped off the bus. The three of them kind of huddle together to look down to see what it says on this business card that they've just been given. And it simply said, Joe Lewis, professional boxer. This guy at the back of the bus was none other than Joe Lewis, widely regarded as one of the greatest boxers of all time. He reigned as the world heavyweight champion from 1937 to 1949, during which time he successfully defended his title 25 times with 21 knockouts. He's won the most heavyweight title fights in history, and he sat there on that bus and endured all of that ridicule. But when he got off, he wants to make sure that these people knew what they just avoided. It was power under control. And that's what meekness is. Meekness isn't weakness. Meekness can be the most powerful person in the room. But choosing to harness that power, choosing to use that power wisely. I think 
as Jesus was teaching, maybe an illustration that will help more in the context of that day and age, because they, they would have understood this idea, because the, the word that Jesus used for meekness, it was also used in, in farming and in, in animal handling, and they would have understood meekness, because they would have understood it in that context, and I'll explain that a bit more, but this video clip will kind of illustrate that, so this is from a recent movie called Cry Macho. <laughs> English, amigo. Yeah. This horse is for sale. You want to buy? Wild horses, huh? See, we, we catch, but not break them. They're very wild. Not many can ride. Yeah. Pretty hard to sell a horse that uh, can't ride. See, but not. <laughs> Maybe we can do something about that. That's Clint Eastwood, 91 years old, still making movies. What a legend. But um, I love that clip because there are these wild horses, and he says it'd be pretty hard to ride a horse that's wild. And he's true. He's right. He, he does what they call, the, they, they break the horse. They bring it under submission. And that's actually what that word meekness would have meant in Jesus' day and age. It was the idea of a horse being controlled, having a bit and a bridle put upon it. And here's why it's important to understand that definition of meekness, because the horse didn't become any less powerful, but the power of the horse becomes more useful because the horse has been tamed and harnessed and directed. The meek, who are blessed, Jesus said, the meek aren't powerless people. They are people who allow their power to be tamed and harnessed and directed by God. Like the poor in spirit and those who mourn, they are humble. They don't scratch and claw and climb over others to build their own personal kingdoms. They don't plot revenge against those who have wronged them. They direct, they direct their energy and their trust towards trusting God, relying on his timing and his justice, seeking his glory, not their own. The meek demonstrate power under control. There's a great example of someone who, who understood this, who lived like this, and you can read about him in the Old Testament. His name was Moses. Some of you remember Moses, and you may not know his, his full story, but there was a time when, when Moses was the prince of Egypt, probably the most powerful he could have ever been in his life. He'd been raised by the Pharaoh. He had this palace that he lived in. He had so much power and, at, at his hands. And in a fit of rage one day, he sees something happen. And he actually kills the soldier, kills the person for doing what he did. In an out-of-control moment, Moses kills a man. 
It actually led him to flee for his life. He found himself living in the wilderness alone for 40 years. Because this is how long it took for him to fully submit to God, to put his power in the control of God's hands. And then God chose to use him. Not when he was at his most powerful as the prince of Egypt, but when he was fully submitted under the control of God. Then we see his most powerful accomplishments take place. He rescued Israel from Egypt. He led them through the wilderness. He brought the Ten Commandments and the law and so much more. And it all happened when, like a wild, untamed stallion, he allowed God to take control of his life. So much so, so much so that listen to what is said of one of the most powerful men in Israel. Numbers 12, 3 says, Now Moses was a very humble man man, more humble than anyone else on the face of this earth. Now, we know that Moses was powerful. We know that he led the Israelites out of Egypt. We know that the Red Sea parted. We know he had these incredible victories that took place in his life. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of Israelites being led through the wilderness by Moses. And yet it was said of Moses that he was more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. And I think it's because he chose to bring all of that power under submission and control of God. That's what it means to be meek. So my question to you here this morning is simple. Is your power under control? This morning, is your power under control? You might say, well, Dave, I don't have any power. Everyone has power. We all have power in one form or another. Have you ever been in a store, Target or Kroger or something like that? And you come around the corner and there in the aisle is a, an exhausted looking mum or dad and laying on the floor in front of the car is just two-year-olds just screaming and kicking and, and banging the floor and the mum or the dad's like, come on, honey, you need to get up. You, need to, you can't do that here. Yeah. Who's got the most power in that situation? <laughs> Not the mum or the dad. We all have some sort of power. We all have some kind of influence and, and we get to choose how we're gonna use that power in our lives. We get to choose how we will treat others, what we will do with the gifts and the power that we have. Uh, last week, just before last weekend, Case and I went on a trip and uh, involved flying. So on our way back, we had to connect through Dallas Airport, and we had a two-hour layover. So we grabbed some lunch, and we just sat down near one of the gates to eat our lunch. And unbeknownst to me, we'd actually ended up sitting down right by the American Airlines customer service desk. So I got to see person after person come up, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> I'm eating my lunch thinking, I'm going to see some stuff here today. Because the first couple who came up, before they even had a chance to say, good morning, how can I help you? They said, you better be able to fix this, because your airline sent us to the wrong airport. So I'm like, oh, it's going down. <laughs> but this lady was brilliant. I mean, she was the best person to put in customer service. She was nice. She was friendly. She was efficient. Everyone else who came up as I'm sitting there eating my lunch, before they could even say anything, she says, good morning, welcome. I'm here to make sure you have the best day possible. Now, how can I help solve your problem? It like took the wind out of their sails. She's wearing this uniform, she has power, but she chooses to keep that power under control. 
And we know because we live in a day of cell phone videos that that could have gone a lot differently. You've seen people lose it and get angry and frustrated because their power isn't under control. I think the greatest picture of meekness is that horse being ridden with a bit and bridle. Especially for us as followers of Jesus. If you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, I don't even think this is optional. Because in this picture, if we are followers of Jesus this morning, we are the horse and Jesus is the rider. Our lives, our power, we've chosen to put it under control of his leadership. So when we, when we read his teaching, we don't get to pick and choose. We, we read that saying, this applies to us. We are to love one another. We are to forgive others. And the list goes on and on and on. And we make a choice to say, I know I have the power to choose how to behave in this situation. But I'm going to choose to submit that power to God and allow Him to lead my life. Now, I know that for some of you here this morning, this could be a bit of a challenging message to hear because you might sit here thinking, Dave, I love this and this sounds great and I love the words of Jesus, it makes sense, but you don't understand. Tomorrow morning, I have to go back to work. And I work in a place where you need to exhibit a little bit of power. If I try and be meek at my place, I'll just get looked over all the time. There'll be people who get um, uh, promotions and I'll miss out on, I can think of the word, promotions. I'll miss out on all these things. I, I can't afford to be meek where I work. Well, as I was studying for this message, I came across a book that I read a long time ago called Good to Great. It's a book by an author called Jim Collins, and maybe you've heard of it. It's a leadership book, and it's um, uh, been, been used by, by many different organizations. And it's not a Christian book. It's not a book for churches, but there are some applications in there that you can just see God has um, put into, into our lives. Because he talks in this one chapter... The book itself talks about the difference between the good companies and the great companies. What was it that made this company that was doing the same thing in the same fields, but somehow they excelled over their competitor? And there are various different things, but one of the chapters attributes the success of the great companies that they, that they uh, study to the level five leaders. They said each of the companies that we studied that had greatness in them they also had level five leaders. He then goes on in this chapter to explain that a level five leader is someone who has fierce resolve to do whatever needs to be done. That was their power. These leaders, they were just determined. They were strong leaders. They had a fierce resolve to make sure the job got done no matter what. But what made them unique, what set them apart as a level five leader was that they found that they were also not eye-centered. Instead, they actually had extreme personal humility. They were meek. Their power was under control. In the chapter, he talks about how the people who worked with him, Jim Collins, the author, to, put, to do this study, they interviewed lots of people who'd worked alongside these level five leaders. These were the words that they continually heard said about these leaders. Quiet, humble, modest, reserved, shy, gracious, mild-mannered, self-effacing, understated, did not believe his own clippings, and so forth. 
In fact, in that chapter, they give some, some real-life examples. They talk about some different CEOs who exemplify that, that attitude of, of greatness but meekness. One of the guys they talk about is a guy by the name of Ken Iverson. Ken Iverson was the CEO of Nucor, and he took his company from near bankruptcy to one of the most successful steel companies in the world. He was the one who oversaw Nucor's transformation. And in the book, Collins talks about this interview that he had with one of Iverson's board members. This is what he said, Ken is a very modest and humble man. I've never known a person as successful in doing what he's done that's as modest. That's true in his private life as well, the simplicity of him. I mean, little things. He has a simple house that he's lived in for ages. He only has a carport, and he complained to me one day about how he had to use his credit card to scrape the frost off his windshield, and he broke the credit card. I told him, you know what, Ken? There is a solution for that. You could enclose your carport. He said, ah, heck, it isn't that big of a deal. <laughs> He's that humble and simple. This was a guy who ran one of the greatest corporations in America. Then in the same chapter, the author, Jim Collins, he he brings another example of the opposite end of the spectrum. He talks of a guy called Lee Iacocca. Lee Iacocca uh, is credited as being the man who saved Chrysler from the brink of catastrophe, performing one of the most celebrated turnarounds in American business history. Then, however, he diverted his attention to making himself one of the most celebrated CEOs in American history. He appeared regularly on talk shows, starred in over 80 commercials, even considered running for president. His book, titled Iacocca, which doesn't sound like the title of a meek person's book, <laughs> sold 7 million copies and elevated him to star status. And while his personal stock soared, in the second half of his tenure as CEO, Chrysler's stock fell 31% behind the general market. He uses this chapter to kind of compare these two leaders. One led an incredibly successful company and was well known, was, was credited as being a truly humble and yet very powerful leader. This other guy, not so much. And his company suffered as a result. I know it's hard to imagine this, especially if some of us who work in kind of more of a cutthroat industry, but I believe I believe there is a blessing. I, I believe if we'll choose to be strong leaders and yet harness that strength, bring that power under control, that we can see what Collins brings out in this chapter. That according to his research, some of the best leaders, both relationally and financially, are those who are meek, who have power under control. You know, when I was preparing this message this week and I was reading that chapter again and I was thinking about that kind of leadership, straight away, I started to think of people I know who attend Connect. Wonderful, wonderful people who, who exhibit this in the way they carry themselves. I could give several stories this morning, but one that, that sprung to mind straight away is of a great couple. They've been coming to Connect for a while now and um, I, I'm not even gonna say who they were because their meekness would be um, upset if I put them on the screen here this morning. But um, you wouldn't know this unless you talked to them, but he was the president of a bank, a uh, very successful businessman just uh, a little north of here. Had an incredible life, an incredible business career, and then retired and moved down to this area. 
found Connects, the pair of them, him and his wife, and they've been attending here ever since. And you've got this incredibly powerful businessman, very successful. And you've probably crossed paths with him because he may have greeted you one Sunday at the welcome desk where they serve regularly. He may have served you food on a Wednesday night. They're, they're always one of the first to sign up when it comes to serving food for events that we put on. He's incredibly generous. They've donated to um, things we've done here at Connect and even things in the community because he's made this decision to say, God has blessed me. He's blessed me financially. He's blessed me with experience. He's blessed me with, with power. And rather than abuse that, I'm gonna choose to harness that, to allow God to take control of that area of my life and I'm gonna use it. And I love how God uses them here at Connect. And he could do the same with any of us if we're willing to take this power that all of us have got and bring it under his control. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. And we're so grateful that this teaching that Jesus brought thousands of years ago can still be relevant today. Even though on a mountainside he was speaking to a crowd of, of uh, people there who were living under Roman rule and, and, it, and it was relevant to them, there are principles in what he was teaching that apply just as much to us today. That every one of us has to some extent power. Every one of us has to some extent abilities in our life and, and we can misuse that. We can mishandle that. We can use that at the expense of others. We can use it to put down others. We can use it to fight to get what we want. We can use it to argue and to fight and to push back or, or we could take it and say, Jesus I want to submit to you like that wild stallion. It didn't lose any of its power. It simply allowed itself to be harnessed. To be harnessed so that you, Jesus, could use that power. And Jesus, we want to be used by you. We want to be used by you in every area of our life. So help us to continually come to you, Lord, to continue to submit to continue to strive for this idea of meekness because we will truly inherit the earth if we'll choose to live this way. In Jesus' name, amen.